Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Hi, I'm Victoria Reese, partner at Hydric and Struggles and the global managing partner of our general counsel practice. Today's podcast, I'm talking to Aisha Oliver-Staley, New York University's senior vice president, general counsel and secretary. Prior to joining NYU in January of 2021, Aisha was the chief ethics and compliance officer and deputy general counsel at Georgia Institute of Technology. Aisha, welcome and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you for having me, Victoria. I'm very excited to be here and participate. Aisha, what was it like to start your first general counsel role at one of the most prominent research universities globally in January of 2021? What were the challenges and more importantly, what were the positive surprises? Starting a new job in January 2021 was a little bit strange because we were still in the throes of the pandemic, still navigating the pandemic. And everybody was still working remotely. So coming in as a new person, sort of part of a transition mandate is the introduction of yourself to the new community and the various stakeholders. And I had to do that all via video conference. I didn't have the benefits of sort of lunches, sort of informal in-person drop-bys. I had to sort of be very intentional about scheduling Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever was the video conference application with all the different stakeholders that I had to meet. Members of my team, I met with each person individually, members of the board of trustees, leadership. So that consumed a lot more time, which is unsurprising just because you didn't sort of have the benefit of having some of these interactions happen informally or sort of during a lunch break or a coffee break, et cetera. So I think that was a challenge, but it was important that I connected with stakeholders coming in as a new person in an institution that was so big. So it definitely was worth the time, but I would say that would have been the biggest challenge coming in in January. But on the flip side, a positive outcome, a positive surprise from that was that I was able to make those connections. We returned to work in person And I was very surprised to run into people in the hallways or in the common lobby areas and sort of interact with them, almost forgetting that I had never met them in person. And maybe over the course of January to August, I maybe met three or four people out of several in person. But when I started meeting people in person, I realized that I was able to make those connections. And I think it really was because I placed a lot of emphasis on ensuring that all those video conference calls sort of had value and were meaningful connections. NYU is known for being a leading academic institution in so many areas and is, of course, based in New York. However, NYU has a truly global presence with campuses all over the world in 25 countries, including Abu Dhabi and Shanghai, with 19,000 employees. As the general counsel, how do you think about managing global risk? 
good question, Victoria. With respect to managing global risk, I think the key is understanding that there's no one size fits all solution for a global enterprise like NYU. I think it's important that we strike a balance between what the university's risk philosophy is as an enterprise and balance that with any nuances that are specific to particular jurisdictions around the world. And I think as part of that, it's important that I identify and maintain strong local talent and resources in each of all locations so that my team and myself and the university, we always have some on-the-ground understanding of the consequences of taking certain actions in different parts of the world, and that we can use that information provided by those local resources to make informed decisions that are based on the university's risk tolerance on the relevant issues. Following up on that, were you attracted to join NYU because of its global footprint? Absolutely. So I love working in higher ed, love higher ed because of its mission. Institutions of higher education advance conversations and the development of technology, science, arts, politics, and a whole host of other areas. NYU is an opportunity for me to contribute to this impact on a larger scale. So for example, I may just be signing a lease or negotiating space in a building, but that building may be used by a student who ultimately wins a Nobel Peace Prize or becomes a Rhodes Scholar. And as they advance, whether it's thought leadership or make discoveries, I feel like I am a part, as general counsel, I'm a part of that advancement and that impact. So being at a global enterprise like NYU means that that impact is bigger, it's wider, it crosses oceans and continents. So I was absolutely drawn to NYU because of its global footprint. Lawyers are considered by some as risk averse, yet at a great time of uncertainty and turmoil, you chose to change jobs and move cities. What propelled you forward? I think we begin to appreciate that our default shouldn't be where we land necessarily. At least we should begin to see it that way. So in thinking about making this move in the midst of all of this uncertainty, and for me, it's a pandemic. I had not had much contact with New York prior to making this move. And I had not had an opportunity to meet many people with whom I interviewed in person. I hadn't met them in person. So the easy default for me from a risk averse position would have been to sort of stay with what I know, right? I love living in Georgia. I had built a tremendous community in Metro Atlanta and I enjoyed the work that I was doing. I really loved the higher ed space. So I enjoyed the work I was doing at Georgia Tech. But this presented an opportunity for me to stretch myself professionally. And to have a larger impact, as I said before, working in a space that I absolutely love. So I had to sort of adjust from my default and recognize this as a fantastic opportunity and that the upside of this experience outweighed any of the risks of the move. So I closed my eyes and I jumped in. And thus far, I don't have any regrets. What leadership skills and experiences have you found to be essential as you navigate this new role and lead your team? You know, Victoria, the one that comes immediately to my mind is communication. Where we are now, when I started here at NYU, as I mentioned before, we were all on video conference. So the ability to effectively communicate to individuals that had never worked with me before, I was new to all of them, to people 
whom I'm leading as the head of a unit to faculty to staff, I think communication became a premium. You know, when you're on video conferences, you don't get the benefit of all of the nonverbal communication that enhances how we're perceived by others. So I had to be really intentional and think about what am I trying to convey and how do I convey it and what tone I'm using and how I show up when I communicate to others. And I think those were skills that I've developed sort of over my life of leadership in different aspects on boards of nonprofits and prior work environments and my most immediate previous work environment. I think all of that experience communicating at all levels to all different types of people really helped me think about how I was going to communicate in an all virtual environment. As part of that communication, I think the other piece of it was listening, the ability to listen as a leader. And as a leader, you have to listen to the things that are said, but also the things that remain unsaid and still be appropriately responsive. And on a video chat and a video conversation, it's very easy to get lost in your own thoughts. You're not there in person. So it's having to be an attentive and active listener and being mindful that I need to be attentive and active because I'm meeting new people and sort of building my credibility with a new group of people, with a new team of people. So I think cultivating listening skills, again, over the course of my career has been incredibly helpful to me. So I think given the uniqueness of January 2021, when I started and the environment we were in at the time, I think communication became sort of the prize, the possession for me. And that was the leadership skill, I think, that translated into helping me have an effective transition here. I did want to share with everyone that prior to NYU and Georgia Tech, you were an associate at McKenna Long and Aldrich in Atlanta. How would you say having these differentiated experiences, academia and law firm, helped you develop as a leader? Please discuss both the pros and the cons. You know, the easy answer is sort of, I was able to develop this wide range of substantive skills in, in very different environments. One, where you're on the outside of a client, so you get to see multiple clients and see how multiple organizations work. And then, you know, moving into Georgia Tech and that being your single client and really understanding the depth and the operations of that particular environment. But I think the thing that saved me the best moving from the law firm into academia is the training and client service. The law firm model is very much client driven and the ability to sort of be responsive to your clients, to communicate clearly with your clients is sort of one of those skill sets that get hammered into you while you're at the law firm. And then being able to translate that when you move in-house, so when I moved into Georgia Tech, is being able to identify whom am I providing a service to and what should that service look like? So even though I have the substantive legal skills, it's the ability to take that substantive knowledge and make it palatable and easy to understand for whomever my client is and make sure that it relates to their business challenge very specifically. And I think it's easier to do when you're working sometimes with multiple clients because then you know 
the answer that you use for client B will clearly not necessarily work for client A. But when you're in the university and the university is your client and you're working with all people who work in the same organization, you have to think a little bit more about, well, each stakeholder, even though they're part of a single enterprise, they have different challenges they're trying to solve. And you may have to communicate a little bit differently or explain things a little bit differently, depending on who is your client at the time. So I think for me, a tremendous upside was being able to develop those clients through the skills that I take with me today. On the downside, if I had to say there was a downside, I think because I was a purely transactional lawyer when I was in the law firm, because the other thing is, you know, there's tremendous value in being a specialist in the law firm environment. But because I was a transactional lawyer moving into Georgia Tech, I didn't have extensive experience on the litigation side. But over time, I was able to sort of acquire some of those other skills that you didn't get on the transactional side from working in academia, and I continue to develop those skills even more here at NYU. Aisha, as we bring this conversation to a close, I wanted to ask one final question. As you reflect back and think about the future, what's the most important way New York University is building on the lessons of the past year? It's been a tough year, Victoria. I think nationally, globally, it's been a tough year. And for NYU, I think what we're building on is having been put in the position where you really have to listen to the people and the community, your people in your community, your employees, your staff. Because, you know, the past year, year and a half, there's been so much upheaval and anxiety and pitched rhetoric about things that polarize us. And as part of ensuring that your community is okay and it's moving forward means we have to listen to their needs more. And people have had time to assess what is important to them as well, the members of our community. And, you know, we need to pay attention to those things. So I think as we evolve, we are thinking about things in the work-life issues, you know, childcare issues. How can we enhance and be better employers in that space? How can we provide for our community and make their lives better in some way? I think for us are the lessons that we are building on from the past year. And people are our greatest asset and we need to listen. We need to spend some time listening and being responsive, you know, as much as we can. Aisha, thank you for making the time to speak with us today. It's always a pleasure. The pleasure was mine. Thank you again for having me. I hope we get to chat again sometime soon. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.